The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.poraspodcast.com. So if you hear vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show thanks for listening thanks for supporting bye welcome to poor ass podcast the show that talks about tough shit on a budget with your host veronica porus Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about tough stuff on a budget and can we live sustainably while on a budget. Today's guest is Caroline uh, Thompson. She has studied chronic pain for 20 plus years and is the founder and originator of Integrated Cranial Health and Neurological Touch for Everyone. She continues to work with clients in severe physical pain in her hometown of Sonora, California. The current pandemic has closed the Bay Area office until further notice. She offers consultation for severe injury to help people from afar understand and be able to identify excellent neurological touch for physical pain and further their own healing journey. She offers free online classes six to seven times a year to help people learn soft tissue neural care for elimination of their own pain. Welcome to the podcast, Carolyn. Thank you so much for coming. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. So how I met uh, Carolyn is, it was a while ago, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, I just moved to Portland and I was in search of a new bodywork instruct, instructor um, or practitioner to help with my own uh, pain. I'm a type of person that stores trauma in my body easily. And I was working with a, a practitioner who was doing Rosenberg bodywork in San Francisco, and I was looking to continue it. Um, that practitioner referred me to Carolyn, but uh, I'm she practices in California and I'm in, and I'm in Oregon. So we weren't able to work together, but I was still on her uh, email list and then COVID happened. And then I started getting emails that Carolyn was doing these online free classes, um, donation, uh, um, donation based free online classes. And I started taking the classes and I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, 
and then we'll I'll let Carolyn explain like how she got into this work and what those classes offer. But I really wanted to have her on the podcast to talk about pain pain management on a budget for the layman. Um, I I am a type of person, and I'm sure other listeners can relate. Where when I experience like pain, I ignore it. I don't listen to my body, and my body just continues to store pain, and um, and that leads to me a stiff neck. Um, you know, I'm at I I have I'm a hundred percent worker. I work from home. I'm at my desk like eight hours, and so I'll do I'll you know get pain in my hip or you know like tinglys in my in my hands because I'm keying in. We're doing repetitive keying work. So on that note, uh, Carolyn, how did you get into this um, profession? Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I'm totally excited to be here and really share this information. I got into the profession of treating chronic pain because I was pained. Um, I was a 19-year-old Division One athlete. And I deadlifted 237 pounds. And if you don't know what a deadlift is, it basically means you take a giant weight bar, you throw it up over your head, and then you catch it and you put it down. <laughs> and I caught it and I put it down and I ended up um, really damaging L4, L5 in my back. I twisted my sacrum, I hurt my tailbone actually. Um, and I, I went on a, a search really. Um, I was told that I would struggle to walk for the rest of my life. And um, this wasn't really an acceptable re reality for me to live. And so um, lots of PTs and stuff. And I ended up actually talking to my dad one day and he could just see how sad I was. And he sent me to his local chiropractor and he said, why don't you have the chiropractor look at you? Nobody's helping you. Why don't you have the chiropractor look at you? And the chiropractor looked at me and he snapped my neck and um, I could move. It was still a lot of pain, and I don't lie to anybody. I was still in pain for about three more years. Um, but I could move, and it opened up the door to alternative healing, and it was the first thing that opened up the door to move away from Western medicine. Um, this continued the search. Um, I went on and found more therapists, and I ended up, eventually ended up hearing of a – that's how she was described to me as a crazy witch woman who lived in Humboldt, California. And I, I got on a plane, and I flew out to see that crazy witch woman in Humboldt, California. And um, she put me on her table and she barely spoke to me. And she worked on me nine hours in one week, three, three hour sessions. And at the end of that session, she said, get up. And my legs swung off the table and I was probably out of pain 50%. And at that point in the game, what did she do? How did she do it? And I really wanted to understand. Um, from her, I went on and I studied a ton of body work. I ended up taking a whole bunch of courses and from John Upledger, and he is the cranial master in this country right now. Um, people who have gone off and learned from him are offshoots of John Upledger. And um, I noticed that in really good cranial work, when I met a really good cranial practitioner, they didn't do what every cranial practitioner did. There were just ones that were cut above the rest, and you couldn't really define why. And actually, Upledger just this year published a paper to define why. Um, but basically what we found out was that certain therapists could direct the neural flow. And that's what I went on to do is I went on to figure out how to direct neural flow and then how to teach it to professionals. And then how do you do it for yourself so that you can be pain-free? I, so I found you serendipitous, uh, not serendipitous, 
it's kind of serendipitously, but you know, how does one, how does one know to find someone like you to help them with their chronic pain? Oh, I love that question. It's one of my favorites. I get asked all the time. Um, how do you find a someone like me? I find that question I, to be really yeah. dynamic. Like I really do. Like I find that to be a dynamic question, which is supposed to have a static answer. And um, it's actually not. Um, I think that how do you find someone like me is really how responsible you are to your own pain and how much you really want to heal. Um, what I tell people all the time is like, I'm a nervous system specialist. I palpate for the movement rate, viscosity and speed of your nervous system. And so you come to me so I can put my hands on you and tell you how efficient your nervous system is moving. And, um, that's a really interesting place to operate because no other body worker operates there. See a chiropractor operates stagnantly with the bones. How do you touch the bone, move the bone, manually adjust the bone? A surgeon's very similar. Um, a masseuse, they are, they are tissue specialists. But again, the tissue expands and contracts. That's what it does. And I can do all of this. And then there are people that are working just above that that can actually feel the system change and change in motion. And these people are actually reading the nervous system. And I think that you find someone like me when you're in so much pain that traditional static work doesn't work. You go to a chiropractor. First, you start at your doctor. And you say, hey, doc, this hurts. And then the doc says, well, you can, I can send you to the surgeon or I can send you to the pill guy. <laughs> and from the pill guy and the surgeon, you make a choice, <laughs> right? Right? And some of you, some people are like, the pill worked. Like, great, I'm not depressed anymore. And some people are like, I tripled my dose on the pill and I still have the problem. And then some people go to surgery yeah. and they still have the problem right? And then this pushes them now into alternative therapy, right? Like alternative therapy is huge. And it's one of the largest growing financial industries this year. Yay. But um, they go to a chiropractor first. They go to a chiropractor. That's what they do. But the chiropractor works with their bones mm -hmm. and their bones are all aligned and the chiropractor doesn't really see a reason for them to be there. And then they can go to a masseuse and a masseuse can be like either really good or really bad. You know what I mean? They can be somebody who really helps them and their tissues move and they feel better. Some massage therapists, the session is wonderful. And then the next session is awful. <laughs> and then eventually yeah. these purple people kind of move to the next group of people, which are acupuncturists. But acupuncturists are now coming from Eastern wow. medicine and they're just a totally different lineup of people. And I don't think most people understand where acupuncture comes from. In 1000 BC, the emperor of China said, you will no longer study the dead to heal the living. You must study the living to heal the living. And so from that, mm. all of the healers in China really began to, that's where acupuncture and acupressure and all of that started to stem from because you had to functionally follow the living. Well, they learned, acupuncturists know we have a pulse. But what acupuncturists did is they broke it down to 12 lines. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, that's great, except <laughs> we have 10 lines per hand that are called sensory axon channels that we've totally defined by Google. And we have 10 per foot. And so they're all connected, but how do you break it down to working on that line? And so 
You find somebody like me when you are so physically exhausted from everything else you've tried. You are so emotionally worn, but you haven't given up. You are mentally still trying to believe that you can heal. And spiritually, something keeps you going. And you stumble into an office like mine, and I say to you, well, of course you have all this pain. Your nervous system is not working efficiently. And people often ask me, like, Carolyn, come on, dude. <laughs> like, you can't tell me that all my emotional pain <laughs> is because my nervous system isn't working. <laughs> and I say, well, do you want me to tell you a story or do you want me to tell you the science of it? And most people want a story, right? Like, would you agree? So I give you the story version because it works better. And I say to you, I'm going to talk to you about a client that came to me and she brought me 15 Western medical scans, psychological analyses. I don't know. The paperwork that I had to read through was so large. And so we're six weeks into therapy and she has a three-year visual problem. And we're six weeks into therapy and I'm teaching her what to do. And we're working with her eye and we work down the eye that has pain. And when we get through all the pain the whole time, she's like, this hurts and this complains and blah, blah, blah. And then I say, well, remember, the nervous system is bilateral, equilateral. And she, I say, we got to turn and go do the other side. And so while we're working the other side, this client says, you know, Carolyn, you know, my dad left me. And I'm like, yeah, I know your dad left you. Yeah, 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 that happened. She goes, did you know my mom remarried after my dad left? And I was like, no, I don't. I actually don't think you ever taught me that or told me that. And she goes, you know, he wanted nothing to do with me. And so I lost a father on top of a father within two years. And although I'm wicked sad about my dad, I, I never realized how rejected I feel from him. And I was like, wow, dude, that, that's such a great opening for you today. Like, wow, that's amazing. And I said, let's trace both lines. Like, let's do the physical pain side and let's do the emotional pain side at the same time. Like, like let's just do both sides bilaterally and equally. And we got to the same exact spot on the suture. One on the left and one on the right. And on the left side was pain. I am in pain. And on the right side was I am sad. I am so sad. And right there, we had a moment where we were able to actually keep working in that neural line. And this person was able to cry and come through it. And at the end of it all, she was like, that is what happened. And I'm okay with that. And her pain reduced that day. And this is why we do this work is so that we have an idea of how we can attach our physical sensations to our emotional realities. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I, I kept going to your sessions. I, I've gone to two and I have noticed like that my, I come from childhood trauma and I'm gonna, I do identify as an adult child of, of alcoholism. And, um, and I'm also a person living on a, on a budget. 
And I, when it comes to self-care and my own healing, I, I don't like, I'm in this point in my own recovery. Like I, I, I don't want to skip on my healing, but I also want to be budget mindful of the type of healing that I'm, I'm getting. So, um, and I have found that your sessions are both budget friendly and incredibly impactful. So I am curious, like when, and, and, and because of COVID, I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording, um, COVID changed the game. So how has COVID changed your practice? And have you noticed more clients um, that are on a like restrictive budget may be able to get better access to this type of healing and help? Um, well, first off, thank you. That was awesome of you to attend. Um, I'm glad it's beneficial. That is exactly why I do it. Um, I actually think you're speaking to a bigger problem inside me than maybe COVID is presenting. And so I, for years, have recognized that like what I do, like people take pay me at the top of the game. And who comes into my office can't afford me. And I know that. And I'm all, I'm so conscious of this knowing that when I first take on a client in the, in the, in the intake session, I say to them to heal chronic pain is a journey. And I know that at some point in this journey, you will become financially stressed by this journey. And I tell them when that moment comes, do not hide from me. Of all the people in your healing journey, do not hide from me because we can always find a path financially to get you there. But don't stop healing because your physical house stopped you from healing and your physical house just being the financial reality of where you are. Don't ever let that stop you from healing. And so very early in my practice, there were trades and we you pay less and we'll do what we can in 30 minutes and I will give you the tools that you need to do. I will teach your caregiver to do it. And that's probably where my first financial realities were is that I really worked with these super chronically ill people who had 24 seven caregivers and they needed the work daily. And so I trained the caregivers for free because, because you should, (laughs) and that was it. And so, (laughs) because it's the right thing to do. And so, but from this, what I learned is that the caregiver who knew nothing about science and nothing about what I did could do the work. And that churned some thoughts. And so how did COVID change the game? COVID changed the game because it made me say, I'm not just talking one-to-one in a room anymore, but there are actually katas and techniques inside this world that we can give to people and say, this is how you monitor your nervous system. And I don't mean meditate and monitor your thoughts. I don't mean emotionally become aware of your state because gosh darn, if you have enough trauma, that is exhausting. I mean, put your hands upon your body and how fast is your nervous system moving? 
How slow is your nervous system moving? Is your nervous system moving at a steady rate? Is it jutty? Does it cut off an arm? When we started to have conversations with my clients that were like that, it changed the game because it pulled it away from being this therapeutic practice where I must instruct you. And it became a practice where you told me what to do. And I'd already been at this place in my practice because I work with the chronically ill and I work with children. So you better believe that those two things tell me when I am wrong. (laughs) And so I had no problem with people telling me how to heal myself. I really didn't. And so the classes, the online classes were there because I inherently recognize in every human being that you are smart enough and capable of loving yourself through your own hands. And you don't need to pay me to do it. You might need to pay me to help you move forward at times, but you don't need to be locked to me. And so these online courses are a way for one, people to understand, well, what type of therapist should I go see for this issue? But two, can I do some of this work myself? And three, can I help my therapist so that the work sustains longer? Yeah, man, you can. (laughs) And I want you to, and I need you to, because you make my life better and you, you make the world better when you do this because you're not bound in your own pain. And, and you have a tool and this is also important. I got to add, oh, I'm just yapping, but I got to add the tools on you. It's your own hands, which means it's applicable in a chair, the line of the bank. (laughs) It's applicable when your mother's yelling at you at Thanksgiving dinner and you're just like, oh man, I'm stuck in this chair while she yells at me. (laughs) It's applicable right then. (laughs) I was having a conversation with my girlfriend telling her something I was with my husband about she's taking my classes and she and she literally was watching me and she says to me look at you grab your foramens and foramens are holes on your face that control your reactions and I was like yeah look at me grab my foramens <laughs> because when you do the work so much as much as I do you just start doing it at the times you need it and so in the middle of wine with my friend I was like man my husband while I'm working on the nervous stimulation of my facial reaction It becomes inherent. And I believe every human being, given time to be with their body in a safe way, that doesn't come from trauma, where you weren't taught, and most of us are taught, to use the body as a punching bag to store everything else. But to begin to really look at the the body like, damn, dude, this thing carries us around. This is a machine. This thing works efficiently cool. (laughs) And that I actually have my own tools attached to me to fix it, I think is brilliant. And a lot of people ask me, do you believe in God, Carolyn? And I go, "Mm, sure. Can't say I do or don't. Don't have a solid thought there yet. (laughs) But I do know that a higher power probably exists based on the size of my hands and based on the size of your hands and the size of everybody's hands, because 
If you're an average human being and you are brought up and you do not have a genetic deformity, the hands actually fit exactly where your nervous system has to go on your own body. Your hand is the size correctly to hold your own face. Your hand is correctly positioned to be able to do cross work for all that work we talk about in ADHD and autism and learning disabilities that we got to do all this cross lateral work. It's actually all designed into our own mathematical structural form. And I think this is what makes the work awesome because literally something invented us that gave us hands that are the appropriate size tool to apply to our own system. And that blows my mind all the time. Every day, that single piece blows my mind. <laughs> same, <Yeah>. same. <laughs> I, I know when the times that I've taken your class, just how, you know, the, the length of my hand. I mean, when we were, do, when we were doing the cranial um, stuff, I, I'm, I'm layman, so I don't have the scientific words. I just call it head stuff. <laughs> yeah, head stuff. That's the name of it. Good job. Head, head stuff. We're going to call it next class. Head stuff. <laughs> head stuff. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate you mentioned the, the spiritual approach, or the not approach, but like the spiritual element. And, I, and before you mentioned how, houses, so, um, and like, you know, um, how, how does that, or, or does it, the four houses, does it relate spiritually or, or, or not? And what, what is the four houses that you talk about? I, I do. So one thing I talk about, it doesn't matter what class you take, layman or professional, 10 minutes, four minutes, 65 minutes, you will hear me repeat something over and over and over again. And, um, I say this to people, I say, you are a physical system. Your physical system is bound from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, from the right of your body to the left, from the front of your body to the back. Now inside this bound system lives a mental recognition. That mental recognition has emotional responses. These emotional responses in this mental recognition over time will develop a spiritual house. Now I want you to know that I know some of you out there are going, that makes no sense and you're wrong, Carolyn. And I'm gonna go, okay, cool. I got no problem with that. And I'm gonna say to you, you're a spiritual being that came down from the ethers and you entered a physically bound body. And the spiritual being is having emotional responses and then categorizing mental thoughts. But the thing is, spiritual being, you still agree to be bound from your head to your toe, your right to your left, and your front to your back in this machine, at least in this current reality. Oh, come on, Carolyn, you're crazy. We're just all smart humans. Okay, cool. Great. We are all smart humans. So you're a mental being categorizing the world mentally, having an emotional reaction to this, which, by the way, is your endocrine system pumping out chemicals which then you're spiritually taking these chemicals and saying it relates this way upward or downward, depending on your religion. And you're experiencing this in a bound system from your head to your toe, your right to your left and your front to your back. At the end of the day, I don't really care your view. And I think that is beautiful, I don't care. I have no judgment for your view. 
You could be a Jehovah or a pagan or Islamist. I don't care. Because whatever your view is, it's a beautiful view. Because it's a view that you've built that keeps you safe spiritually. And the only reason you really want to talk to me any further is because I'm going to bring that beautiful safety you've built in that spiritual house. And I'm going to say to you, let's make it efficient inside your bound nervous system from your head to your toe, your right to your left, and your front to your back. So that when you do carry that message, it's not because you have to, it's because it is. And that's why it's so important to not ignore your system because it's what's carrying you around, however you define it. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, as you, as you were talking, um, uh, I, I am, I am not a practitioner. I, you know, that's, I don't think that's my, um, calling. I have other callings, but your work has definitely helped me on my um, recovery path and and what I want to do with this with this podcast. And I'm I'm curious to know your own personal self self care as you do this work. I, I imagine it's it's a lot. And and how do you do your own self care to take care of your your own needs and you know, how do you deal with your own uh, pain and um, to keep you pumped and motivated and, and present as you do these classes and sessions? Sure. So self-care is, a, again, like these questions are so dynamic, but yet so static. <laughs> I enjoy them so much. Um, well, first, of self-care is huge, right? So self-care is large. Let's let's talk about the bucket of self-care and let's talk about those houses. So there's emotional self-care, there's mental self-care, there's spiritual self-care, and there's physical self-care. And most people are concerned with my physical self-care. What does Carolyn physically do to stay out of physical pain? And I want to tell you that I attend to some mental problems first. And one of the mental issues I have is I'm, I'm married. And I'm married to a, a person who's awesome and super supportive and wonderful and has certain expectations of how certain things in the household should run. And because of these expectations, I have a mental choice to work with him, which is to fight this or to be like, okay, this is what defines his safety. And I don't really give a crud too much. So I'm just going to do what defines his safety. So I tell everybody right from the beginning, understand that self-care is usually a social agreement. Okay. And most people don't want to think about self-care like that. They want it to be hundred percent selfish, but self-care isn't hundred percent selfish. Self-care means maintaining the community that's around you. So my first thing is I attend to my family. And the first thing I do is I, I try to create a boundary between my work life and my family life so that those two things can operate well and in their own space. And when I mess that boundary up, the first thing I do is apologize to my children and my husband for messing that boundary up. And then I apologize to my clientele because my clientele is not going to hold me on a sad day, but I will hold them. But my family will always hold me. So my self-care comes at first to my family. 
Well, the second place my self-care comes into is I'm altruistic, maybe to a fault, because I, how other people are and how they're doing is important to me, even if I don't know them. And sometimes that sucks for me. That's my reality. And so there's a part of me that has learned social grace in the sense that like I'm a lot brasher and crasser than maybe I present. But I also understand what communal grace is. And so I act appropriately in community. That's a part of my self-care because I think that's important to give honor to the communities I interact with. And I interact with a lot of different communities from firemen, policemen, trans associations, uh, spiritual associations, Jehovah's. I mean, I interact with a lot of different people. And so being respectful is part of my self-care. Now, once I maintain my family and once I've kind of maintained what my respectful line is, and then what do I do? I apply the neuropalpation to myself every day, every day. Even here in conversation, I told you I'm talking to my girlfriend and I just stick my, my face on my hand on my face in the middle of conversation. When I'm standing in line, it doesn't matter what line, I am doing neural palpation. I am balancing my physical system. When I lay down at night, I do directive nerve work on myself. When my family is out of sync, we sit together and do nerve work together. We calm our own nerves together as well as apart. We honor self space. We honor free time. And I maintain my boundaries with my clients. Self-care is super about maintaining boundaries. Take any class on that you can. Because you have to though you have to define your boundaries before you can maintain them. And so the neuropalpation has given me what what I will maintain and what I will not. And I like that. I like knowing what I will maintain. I had an amazing conversation with my good friend Heather this morning, and she's a therapist that I teach with. And um, she, she has a lot of chronic pain and comes up with chronic pain and lots of surgeries in her life. And she came to the reality today, or, or in the last couple of weeks, she's like, you know, I went on this journey with you for two years. I no longer have my chronic pain. And I, she went into a conference that houses her type of chronic pain, and she had no chronic pain reactions to this conference. And she said, but during the conference, I had to constantly do the neural palpation myself, constantly do the neural palpation on myself. And I said, well, yeah, you were knee deep in an old neurological loop. Like you were there, man. You were waist deep. You were pushing through that neurological loop. You were swimming with people that swim with your own pain. I said, you had to do everything in your power to make sure to not kind of remember that old loop. And she goes, but I did it. She had no pain at the end of the conference. And so I think that's what you have to tell people, you have to teach people is there is a transition in self-care. At first, it might feel all-consuming and just take up everything you have. But good self-care gets to a point where it, it, it doesn't take much time because the houses are bound together. And so when one st house starts to pull away, the other house kind of pulls back at it. And then that brings us to our attention. And then we can bring our attention to our manual hands. And then we can apply these manual techniques to exactly where we need it so that our body can let go. And then we can really process the endocrines that were produced for the feelings of the emotions we define. 
and then we can really let the brain dump so that the the cranial volts the the static in our brain can actually wash through the cerebral spinal fluid and that we can achieve mental clarity but i think for most people in chronic pain the thing that they have to understand is we know that it's going to take a year or two before these things balance out and you can't don't don't gain hope just a lot for time just a lot for yourself a lot for who you are and a lot for that journey and we all talk about the journey but get mad at the journey get happy with the journey but at the end of the journey from a person who's walked hundreds of people through it you can walk it and you can walk it pain free but the first two or three years in self-care are going to inundate every house because you've probably never learned to balance them and so as your physical system begins to say we will balance these i will no longer house this for you you will deal with the mental thoughts of this and what it means to you and you will talk to somebody about it when that journey is over and you're clean i tell people all the time you have no reason to tell your story anymore people ask me all the time how i got into this and i tell them but if you listen to that part of this interview you can tell it's a speech because i don't feel that pain anymore it's not part of my story yeah that's amazing that's amazing i have definitely shift and and when it take you know the the time it takes to process process trauma where it's not it doesn't define you anymore and what i'm thinking of it is about like just constantly viewing myself as as a victim, I am, um, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm not in check, it's like, oh, I'll play that victim card till the cows come home. But when I'm, you know, <laughs> just a little bit of investment of the self-care, you know, taking uh, Carolyn's online classes that are budget friendly, that's why I liked it, it was budget friendly. And, um, you know, doing doing this podcast, being more active in my in my recovery, uh, you know, playing victim card doesn't serve me um, anymore. Um, how in your in your practice, what what has been your most interesting cases and the most challenging cases? Oof. I like that you're getting out of your victim card because <laughs> the reality is is that victim card is its own boundary. And it doesn't let you be free. So congratulations on creation and development because that is how you will break that cycle. Uh, or one of the ways, I should say. So yeah. my most interesting case was a lot. <laughs> what was it? My most difficult case and my most interesting case? Was that the questions? Yeah, the most interesting case and the most difficult case or let's talk about the most the most difficult case. Like what what were the blocks and what techniques did you need to like throw at it to like, you know, have a have some what's what's the word? A breakthrough. So there there I work so with such a chronic pain that I'm I'm gonna tell you that I'm gonna choose a case where the person, because this is a podcast about self-care for the self on a budget, I'm I'm not gonna include my cases with caregivers in this thought. 
Um, but my cases with caregivers win out in the sense of like whole consumption of pain, but they need somebody to apply it to them because of their lack of mobility. Their nervous system is so destroyed. So I'm going to go to people, I'm going to go to cases where people can apply it to themselves. And so probably one of the most difficult cases I would tell you the general I'm going to I'm going to generalize it because it's actually a general problem. And I'm then I'm going to speak about it as in as in a one woman. But the the hardest cases I do, the hardest cases I do are the professional. And I don't mean the professional who goes to work and like works like 8 to 6. I mean the professional the dude on the stock market line, the the woman developing um, work to be at NASA, these individuals who are really at the top of their mental games. I would tell you that these are the individuals that are the most difficult to work with. And because of two primary reasons. One, they're at the top of their mental game. Carolyn, I can logic this out. I will logic this out, Carolyn. You won't. Like, unfortunately, pain is not logical, man. Like, it's not. Pain comes from all directions and all ways and all houses, and it's just not logical. And I love you for thinking that it is, but it's not. <laughs> and so your mental house is not going to win pain. Now, let's take that person and combine them with severe childhood trauma. So now they have learned acceptable emotional behaviors that are appropriate. And wee, <laughs> because this is super interesting. So at the beginning of this podcast, you told me I could, I could swear. And if that happened, it wouldn't be a big deal. And I'm like, well, I'm so trained at this point. I've kind of tailored my language so it doesn't happen. But I do come from that. <laughs> and I will drop F-bombs every once in a while because I, I come from that level of communication and talking and my being wants to go back there. And I know a lot of professionals who come from that become so professional, they, come be, they become like me that they lose that kind of toughness that they came from and then they say this is how people act because of this emotional behavior and they'll usually say something like this and this this is a true case um no men, men like control really why do men like control well that's what my father liked that's why i put a pole up my butt uh, excuse me wait can we back up for a second because you just said something really big <laughs> but a person who's been under trauma like that, like who's literally had their father violate them in this way. And I don't mean with their own form. I mean, with a physical pole, you start to go, whoa, wait a second, dude, hold up. All men are controlling because why? <laughs> and so what you, we start to learn is that this person had a defining moment that made men controlling. But what we also have to learn is, it wasn't at that moment that that person believed all men was controlling. It was at that moment that 
unless they followed control, they were not safe. And so now this person's going to get older, and at a certain point in their life, in their relationships, they're going to be in a place with a relationship where they are going to sacrifice their physical form to feel safe in some way. Because that's what they were taught. And so what we tell people all the time is, oh, well, you think men are controlling because of this. And yet they come to me later and they're like, I'm still not over that mental pain. And I'm like, yeah, who would be? <laughs> because, oh my gosh, if I just told you that that's okay that you think men are like that, you don't. Like you don't think men are like that. You've met amazing men. You know, I have a really, really close friend who oscillates in her sexuality because of her abuse. But she can't, she can't, she can't achieve orgasm unless she's with a man, but that's not who she achieves love with. And this is something that she's been working on for a long time. And she doesn't really like to do my work because she says to me, well, I don't, I don't really want to deal with the story of my past, Carolyn. Well, then you really don't want to deal with the moment that you learned that it was acceptable to oscillate. You, and it's always acceptable to oscillate. But you also have now learned that you put pleasure in one category and you put love in a different category. And until you decide to merge those two, it's always going to live separate for you. And she knows that she does this. She's 100% conscious of this separation and this choice. She's not a client. She's a friend. Remember, these are like conversations over the phone from back east and I'm just like listening to her development and I'm saying to myself man if she could just work through her form so that she could come while in love so it didn't have to be an abusive technique but she doesn't know how to come in love because she only knows how to come in pain and I studied a lot about sexuality because of this I I spent a lot of time in sexual training because when I first got into this work, I realized that who studies traumatic injury through physical manipulation? Sex therapists. They're one of the only people who really study it in depth. What happens to us mentally and emotionally when we are physically subdued? And then how do we overcome that? And truth be told, I don't always see a sex therapist successful. But I know that they're clients who learn how to neurally palpate themselves and work through this trauma become successful. Because they learn to be in contact with their body in a way that somebody else doesn't have to bring them there. They can do it to themselves alone. And they can be safe in their own hands the entire time. It is not an activity of reaching climax. It is an activity of reaching safety. And how do we do that? This is why I do what I do, is to allow people to see that this physical house is literally a machine. It's a machine that is carrying these other aspects of us around. The biology and pathology of the feelings are your endocrine system. We have ways. That's why so many people are into herbs and, and, and essential oils because essential oils trick cranial nerve one, which goes to the hindbrain. Woo and these techniques allow for human beings 
to trick the brain. But we still haven't taught human beings how to be safe in their own hands. Most children of trauma have to learn to trust their form. And so who are my hardest clients? My hardest clients are the ones who have had physical trauma as a child, who have used their mental minds to logic their way. And then once they're mentally logic their way, their emotions are a byproduct of this. They're, they're not really real or justifiable. And then at that point, they usually develop a spiritual house that's pretty big because they need something out, outside of themselves that they believe was intrinsically created within them to hold them. And I say to my clients all the time, it, it, says, it says in most religious books, Confucius, the Talmud, the Bible, all the time, I am, you are a mirror image of me. You are what I am. If you are what you are, then you have all the power within yourself to do this. I have some really good friends that are Jehovah's, really good clients that are Jehovah's. I talk with them every week and I've known them for two years and I love them. And the other day I was talking to the man and he's an elder and he said, but Carolyn, when you, when you pass on, you know, the meek will inherit the earth and then we can play and we can learn instruments and all of this. And my response to him was, no, thank you. Like, no, thank you. Because one, I don't want to live forever. I've already come to that term in my own life. Two, even if I live forever in a gorgeous environment and he and the boredom is removed from me, I guess that's an interesting way to go, but it, it's not appealing to me. <laughs> and so, but what is appealing to me is that <laughs> it's just not, but what is appealing to me is in this lifetime that I help as many people as I can because every time I lay my head down at night, I'm like, well, I did the best I can by these people today. And so the reason I do these online free courses, the reason I work with the lawyer who works into my office and tells me everything about the stock market and everything that the medical system is doing and everything that happened to this child and blah, 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 is because I know that they stay there because they are so afraid to move into their own system. And I'm okay to make that walk with them. Yeah, it's intense. It's really intense, like being in your own body. And I know coming from childhood trauma, you know, disassociation was my best friend. <laughs> For disassociation kept you safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why I mean, would I give that up? <laughs> because the physical sensations that your body can give you are something you crave. And you want to feel whole. And you know that this machine that you've disassociated from, you can't get away from. And so simply because you've disassociated from it doesn't mean it's still not, it, it's still a weight. You can disassociate it from you all you want, but you're going to wake up in the morning and the weight's still there. You know, how heavy are you on the scale today? How bloated is your stomach today? How heavy are your feet today? How bad do I look in this dress? Oh my gosh, my hair didn't go up correctly. And we 
beat and beat and beat on this physical system in every way that we possibly can. We have whole industries designed to beat on it. I mean, just the industries alone from beauty and self-care are scary. And we're going to now compile this on a five-year-old girl who was told every day when her dad walked walked in the door, um, this is real. <laughs> um, don't, don't get in front of me. I, you know, I make the living and you stay quiet. It's so sad what happens to humans. But we cannot be scared of why they're sad. That's another thing. What do I do with self-care, you asked me? I'm not scared that you're sad. I'm not scared that you're angry. I'm not scared that you're judgmental. I have a lot for that. I don't give it space. And I'm careful to not give it space because I don't actually want it to own space. <laughs> but I'll allot for it. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's amazing that you're doing this podcast. Work through your stuff. Whatever it takes to get there, get there. Because that's what else you're doing. You got to hang out in the system every day, no matter what. <laughs> like I said, in the morning, the weight's still there. <laughs> Anyway, I knew you'd be perfect for the podcast. (laughs) That's why. That's why I asked. I love this stuff. You're right up my jam, girl. (laughs) This is what I do all day long. Yeah. So So we're coming. We're coming towards the end of the podcast. So um, we're going to use this time to. um, Where can people find you? And anything that you would like to plug? Oh, I'd love to plug. Um, so you can find me. I, I'm on Facebook. Everything's under the name Integrated Cranial Health. And so integrated to integrate yourself cranial because the nerves start from the top down. So we start at the cranium. And health because you deserve health. Um, you can all, So you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram under Integrated Cranial Health. Um, my website is really the best place to go, integratedcranialhealth.com. Um, on the website, on the seminars page, um, there will always be the paid classes at the top because, well, the paid classes are at the top. <laughs> but there is always a donation free link. Um, and I do free classes about four to six times a year. Um, this year is the year of organs. I love organs. Uh, I find that most people do not know how to work with their organs. And so uh, the first series mm. just ended with the vagus nerve. You can go on my website and buy the vagus nerve if you want. I do tell people that you come to the classes, they're free. But if you want the video recordings, we charge you an ad- a small admin fee to I'll get the secretary to do it for me. <laughs> and um, so that's what we do. Um, the next series will be starting in three weeks. And we're actually going to do breath work. And, um, but we're actually doing just neural palpation for the lungs. And um, we're going to take that vagus nerve work and just move right into the lungs. So if you follow me for the year, you'll have a whole system that starts from your cranium and works all the way down your sternum through your digestion to your sexual organs. Um, So we're on the second one that's going to be breath and lungs. And all we exhale is what the class is called. So you can sign up there. There are two buttons. One, you can pay for a series 
and the other one's just donation. Um, I do ask that you to just click the donation button. You can donate zero, but when you click the donation button, you enter my email addresses and all of that stuff, and you get you make sure that you get the link when the free class goes up. So that's the way to do it. You can also always email me at integratedcranialtherapy at gmail.com, and uh, you can be included in the classes that way. And I think that's about it. I think that's how you get to me. Um, I teach professional classes. They won't be coming on back again until 2022, uh, COVID. <laughs> and um, we do a few in-person classes in Sonora. And uh, we'll actually do four in-person classes. They're one-day classes. They're held out at Indigene Apple Ranch. And it's gorgeous. It's like a location that you just die to go to. Um, beautiful Apple Ranch. And uh, we're going to do it up at the old Oak House there. And we're going to have on March 13th, we're going to do the physical house. And we're going to teach seven moves for how to move through the physical house. And then in April, we have the mental house. Um, we're going to teach how we neurally palpate to relieve the mind. Um, then we move to the spiritual house. We're going to have a full, excuse me, then we move to the emotional house in May. We're going to have a full day on how we regulate our hormones through manual touch. And then our last class will be May 23rd, which is the spiritual house. And uh, we talk about how you develop a spiritual identity from chronic pain and what we can do to have your physical form and your spiritual form stay in balance and, and grow that spiritual practice of yours that you have that is just so beautiful. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. And people could find me on Instagram, uh, Porous Podcast. That's P-O-A-S-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That's Porous Podcast, one R on Instagram and Twitter. And all of our contact information is going to be part of the show notes. Um, if anyone wants a, a personal video message from me, you can get me on Cameo under you search me under veronica porus get me on cameo for a free personal video message from me and um if you like this podcast subscribe i'm on apple uh apple spotify um yeah apple and spotify and anchor or anywhere you get your um podcasts and you could also catch me on my website vcomedy.com that's v e e c o m edy.com vcomedy.com thank you so much carolyn for being on the podcast thanks veronica have a great day